Put Me in Coach, sermon series as we think about finding our place in Christian service. Open your Bibles with me and uh, follow along. Uh, I'm going to be referring to these verses several times, so you may want your Bibles open to 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning in verse 7, as we think together about Put Me in Coach, finding our place in kingdom service, 1 Peter 4, 7, and I invite you to stand if you're able as I share God's word aloud. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be serious and discipline yourselves for the sake of your prayers. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. Whoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. Whoever serves must do so with the strength that God supplies, so that God may be glorified in all things through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. An observation about human nature, an observation about our culture. We probably get an A or an A minus in passion, but we get a D or a D minus in purpose. Have you ever thought about that? We're really going fast, we just don't know where we're going. We're really passionate about sports, about our team, about our family, about our job, about our uh, whatever stuff. But we really don't know where we're going with all of that. And, And I have mentioned earlier in this sermon series that I think is the evangelistic challenge of spiritual gifts. That is to say, if you're here this morning or you're listening to me and you're not a follower of Christ... Uh, This is your invitation to know him because even if you're not worried about sin or guilt or afterlife, you're worried about the emptiness in your life and you want to find some direction. And for those of us who share our faith, we need to understand that people are hungry to know how Jesus Christ, the Messiah, meets the deepest needs of our lives and how he puts life together in a way that gives us genuine purpose. He is Messiah. He is God's Son. And in Jesus, in Christ, God has has given us a way to know abundant life and eternal life. And that's the message of Jesus, the good news this morning. Now, as we begin to open our lives to lock into God's purposes for us, we inevitably ask, what about these things that I'm good at, these Abilities, these God-given capacities, these spiritual gifts. And then a problem comes along because we sometimes think too big, too broadly. We, we think about one year down the road or five, year down the road, five years down the road, what does God want me to be doing? Ten years down the road, what am I supposed to be doing? When in reality, we sometimes, by being obsessed with the future, we forfeit faithfulness to the here and now, to the things, to the tasks that are right in front of us. And so sometimes the place to start 
is with what's right in front of you. What are you good at? What has God blessed you with? What are you passionate about? What, have, what has other people told you that you're good at? And what's the burden of your heart? And instead of worrying about so far away, be faithful to today. And that's what I think the Apostle Peter was talking about in verses 7 and 8 and following. He was saying to the early Christians, you know, when you see the weaknesses in other people, when you see mistakes they make, when you see other people's faults, you have a choice. You may either choose to be critical and negative and fault-finding, or you may ask, how may I use my spiritual gifts to help those people in their weaknesses, their faults, and their shortcomings? Instead of complaining and criticizing, finding a way to be a blessing by using our spiritual gifts. That's exactly what Peter's talking about. He says, above all, maintain constant love, verse 8. For love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. And then he says, like a good steward of the manifold grace of God. God's grace is varied and manifold. It's, it's many-faceted. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift you have received from God. To be a good steward of the manifold blessings of God, the many-layered blessings of God. The word steward means house manager. It means that we're left in charge of something that we don't own. We're to, we're to manage it well until the owner comes back and asks us to give an account. That's what stewardship of God's grace is all about. We're only holding this place for a while. We only have these spiritual gifts on loan and that we will give an account for how we have been stewards of them. For every blessing and empowerment and gift we receive, we're to use them responsibly. I heard a fellow explain it this way. He said, what's the favorite seat on an airline flight? It's the exit row, right? If you've done any flying. It's the exit row because there's more leg room. And we all want to ask, has the exit row seat been, seats been taken yet? Because we have extra leg room. But the, but the reminder is that now if you're going to sit in that seat... Are you able to help people in the unlikely event of an airline emergency? Because with that privilege comes the responsibility to use the strength you have to help others who might be in need. And so the Apostle Peter says, we are to be stewards, we are to manage well these blessings, these gifts that God has given to us so that we can help others in a crisis and in need and that we can bless the church and bless the community and bless the world. The manifold gifts of God. And when this is turned loose in Christ's church, when people find their place of service, when they discover their spiritual gifts and they get harnessed correctly, it's a beautiful thing to watch. I was blessed to find out that just a, a few weeks ago, even in fact it was just before we started this sermon series, Two of our newest members called the office and asked how they could get hooked up in helping 
the HALO Foundation. It's an international organization, but also a local one, helping at-risk youth who are homeless and who are otherwise at risk in Jefferson City. Here they are, brand new members, one of them a new Christian. And evidently they caught something in the, in the spirit of this church that says, when you are blessed by God with the saving grace of Jesus, when, when Jesus Christ has happened to you, then you need to start finding a way to use your gifts to be a blessing to others. I love this quote by Kirby John Caldwell. He's a pastor of a large, large, large Baptist church, I'm sorry, Methodist church in Houston, Texas. The church is not to capture new members and cage them up in church programs or to fatten up members for show. The church exists to equip people to release them back into the world dangerous for the gospel. I love that last phrase. To release believers back into the world dangerous for the gospel. That's exactly why God gives us spiritual gifts. Not not to cage up church members within the church walls so that we can entertain one another uh, with programs while the doors are locked. Not to fatten us up like we're going to the state fair to be shown off. But to make us a blessing, dangerous for the gospel, out in the community and out in the world. Isn't that what Peter's saying? Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever it is that you've received from God. Whoever speaks must do so as speaking the very words of God, verse 11. Whoever serves must do so with the strength that God supplies so that God may be glorified in all things through through Jesus Christ. Oh, but wait a minute. Embedded in that positive word, I find just a little bit of a hint at the dark side of spiritual gifts. Indirect, granted, not specifically named, granted. But when Peter says, whatever gift you have, you're to use it with the strength that God supplies, not your own strength, and you're to do it in a way that glorifies God, not self, through Jesus Christ, I find embedded there just a hint at the dark side of spiritual gifts. And there, is, there are some dark sides to spiritual gifts. Let me explain to you what I mean. If you are faithful to Jesus Christ in your life, you discover your spiritual gift, or you begin experimenting through trial and error, finding your spiritual gift, when you start serving, sooner or later, you're going to meet with some grief. You're going to get your feelings hurt. Something's going to happen that doesn't go your way. You're going to feel neglected, underappreciated, or you're just just plain going to get aggravated about something. Serving, using our spiritual gifts, sooner or later, we meet with some grief. I've told some of you about uh, years ago when I belonged to a rotary club, and we were doing Meals on Wheels, and it was my very first time to deliver meals, and I was so excited. And my very first assignment, I, I thought I was never going to find uh, the, the address. It was the south side of St. Joseph, Missouri. And, and if you know anything about that uh, end of town, it can be a little tricky on the addresses. And finally, I found the address. I was so pumped, so excited, went to the door, knocked on the door, held out the meal. 
the person opened the door, snatched it out of my hand, and said, you're late. And the door closed in front of me. And I was like, you're welcome. And I just went away so indignant, so offended. I'm giving my time. I'm, I'm a busy pastor. I've got these things to do. But you know what? When you start examining your motives, when you start checking out your motives, it's really scary how much of this stuff we're doing for ourselves to soothe our own guilt or to be praised by others or to uh, feel good, to have the rush of helping. So the Apostle Peter says, whatever gift you have, you do it in God's strength for the glory of God through Jesus Christ. Not for your own glory. Not for your own feel good. Not for your own put a mark in the win column. And by the way, that's, as a pastor, that's how I can tell if someone's hitched upright with their spiritual gift in a place of service. If you are serving with joy and you don't make the rest of us pay for it by your whining and complaining about it, that's how I know you're hitched right. Did I say that bluntly enough? Because sometimes when we're serving, we just want the privilege of complaining and letting everybody know how hard we're working. I'm wondering if you're really in your spiritual gift zone, if you're going to make the rest of us pay for it by listening to all that. And by the way, in my homespun understanding of spiritual gifts, this is the difference between a human talent and a spiritual gift. A human natural talent is something that we do well, but it wears us out. It depletes energy. A spiritual gift from God is that which we exercise and do, and when we do it, we are replenished. We are invigorated. We are refreshed. We actually draw energy from doing it. That doesn't mean we don't get tired in the work. It's just that we don't get tired of the work. That's why Peter was saying so much when he said, whatever gift you have, you you use it with the strength that God supplies, not your own energy, so that God may be glorified, not yourself. And that leads me to another dark side of spiritual gifts. And I begin this part of the message by reminding you who wrote this letter. Simon Peter. Now, some scholars like to quibble about 1 Peter being dated so lately because of some things that we know through archaeology and research and biblical study. Perhaps Simon Peter was already dead when this started circulating. Some of his students, some of his pupils may have written his sermons and his earlier letters and put them together. It's still Simon Peter. Simon Peter, what do we know about him? Well, we know by looking at him that all spiritual gifts are mediated through flawed human personality. We know that about ourselves, too, that it doesn't matter how pure spiritual gifts are as God gives them from his heart. 
By the time those gifts are mediated through us, they are mediated through flawed, imperfect human personality. Think about what you know about Simon Peter. He was a natural-born leader. He was usually the first to speak. He had verbal skills. He, was, he had the gift of preaching. Uh, he, he spoke often for the apostles. And any list in the New Testament of the apostles, almost always Simon Peter is listed first. So you would say very safely, based on what we know about spiritual gifts, he had the gift of leadership or administration. He had the gift of prophecy or preaching. Very, very gifted spiritually. But Simon Peter was very, very human. Even though he had spiritual gifts, he wasn't always spiritually mature. Sometimes he used those gifts for selfish motives or selfish purposes, out of selfish motives. Sometimes he made it all about himself. Sometimes he complained. Sometimes he missed the point. Sometimes it was about his own glory. It was about Simon Peter, not about God. Is this beginning to sound familiar to any of us as we use our spiritual gifts, as we think about ways we've gone off the rails with our spiritual gifts? So that having spiritual gifts does not automatically equal spiritual maturity. Joel Gregory said something very profound in an interview uh, a few years ago. And Joel Gregory, by the way, has battled his own demons. A very gifted Baptist preacher rose quickly to places of authority and places of leadership. And the success, by his own admission in a book that he wrote, the success went to his head and he had spiritual gifts but not the spiritual maturity. And I want you to listen to this quote. This is one of the most... I don't think everybody here this morning is going to catch this, but this is for the few who do. This is amazingly profound. Gregory said, a strong gift can take you where the absence of other gifts cannot keep you. We can have a spiritual gift that will catapult us and elevate us to a place of privilege or service, but without supporting spiritual gifts to keep us there and to keep us out of trouble. That's why Simon Peter said, use every gift you have out of God's strength, not your own, and do it for God's glory, not for selfish purposes. I'll give you another example of this concept. When it comes to spiritual gifts, our greatest strength can be our greatest liability. And here's here's an explanation of that. Say your spiritual gift is discernment. You have this uncanny capacity to size up people and size up situations. Gift of wisdom, gift gift of discernment. You can spot a phony a mile away. Uh, You have this intuitive sense of knowing when somebody's... uh, really real, your spirit bears witness with their spirit. The spirit of discernment. That's a wonderful spiritual gift, but when it is not spirit-led, when it is left in the control of a human ego, you you know what spiritual discernment gift degenerates into? A critical negative spirit. 
a jaded spirit. Everybody's got an angle. Everybody's out to get something. And you see only the negative and you see only, only the flaws of other people and you dwell on them. Every spiritual gift has a downside. Every spiritual gift has a dark side. Thus, Peter said, whatever gift you have, serve out of the energy of God, not your own strength, and do it for the glory of God. Four years ago, last month, James Murphy and I went to a Kansas City Royals baseball game. You knew it was going to be in here sooner or later, didn't you? James grew up in this church through the children and youth ministry. He's been a youth pastor, a great friend of mine. Uh, and uh, James, every once in a while, would just call me up and say, let's go to a Royals game. And, and uh, this was back before the Royals were winning so we could afford the tickets. And uh, James got the tickets that night, and we sat in center field. During the game, the Kansas City Royals were playing the Chicago White Sox. We were in center field, and Melky Cabrera came up to bat, and he hit this line drive that just sounded like thunder, and the ball kept coming at us. And, and this all happens really fast, if you've never had this happen to you. It kept coming at us, and James reached up and caught it. And the crowd was cheering, and, and I found out later that ESPN showed that clip on their sports center that night. And my son-in-law, who lives in Liberty, got this phone call from a friend. Was your father-in-law Doyle at Kauffman Stadium tonight? I saw him on ESPN. And Tim contacted me and let me know about it. And, and that, that's a picture of the clip that was on ESPN. So, after that, I changed my resume, my bio sketch. And I want to show you, I want to show you what I put on my biographical sketch. Can, we, can, we, can you show us that? Resume of Doyle Sager, born December 31st, 51, pastor of First Baptist Church, Jefferson City since 97, monthly columnist for Word and Way, Baptist News Global, occasionally appears on ESPN Sports Center. Well, kind of true. If they ever show that clip again, I occasionally appear on ESPN. Uh, I'm just... I'm just messing with you. I didn't really make my resume change. I wanted to, but Janet wouldn't let me. <laughs> but you see how quickly we can, we can just tilt the truth a little bit so that the attention's on us instead of on God. Make it about us instead of about God. And that's what Simon Peter was warning us about that we don't just start turning things and all of our spiritual gifts about us, about our comfort, about our needs. And by the way, you don't really get any credit for sitting in center field bleachers. You're supposed to be in the game, right? ESPN Sports Center is really supposed to be about what's happening on the field. And when you hear the call of God and you want to answer, put me in coach, I'm tired of sitting on the bleachers. I want to be in the game. I want to make a difference for Christ. Let's pray. As we take a few moments and just gather our thoughts, listen to the whisper of the Spirit, in a moment during our response time, you'll have an opportunity to say yes to Christ. 
the Christ who died for you, the Christ who lives for you, the Christ who fills your life with purpose. If you've never trusted him, we invite you to come. Some of us will be at the front to pray and to answer your questions. During our response time, you'll have an opportunity to come and just pray at the altar with someone or privately. Something's on your heart. You'll have the opportunity to join our church if you feel led to be a part of this fellowship and to officially join up or to publicly declare your faith or just to come with some other burden or maybe God's making clear to you a calling and you want to share that with the church family. Lord, we thank you for speaking to our hearts. Open us now to all you want to do. Through Christ we pray. Amen.